Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. here the feed is popping over to youtube in a second so the podcast will be a couple seconds of this before it gets sent over but oh well we're on episode 11 of six of six and uh we put out a put out a prompt you did a couple hours ago um just Mm -hmm. to you know get some garner some interest in some topics and things that are wasn't like a you know like a q a thing like we did uh, a few weeks back, but it was just, you know, it's always helpful to hear what people want to hear about, you know, yeah. instead of just assuming all the time. And we, me, me and you could talk about pretty much nothing forever. So yeah. having some, some sort of direction of things that are going to be directly helpful to the, you know, the people that are listening is always kind of fun. So we got a couple of good, uh, some good feedback that I think will, will spin into some good conversations today. Um, but Looks like we're okay. We're live on YouTube now. Sweet, we're Sweet. good. Um, so if you're on the YouTube stream, welcome to YouTube for the first time. This Thanks. is a new thing for us. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I like the idea of reaching out periodically just to catch a pulse of what people are wanting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, do you stick to the the majority and just beat every topic to death that's already been beaten to death, or yeah, you know, I think you're a guy like myself. Uh, we've, we've kicked some music back and forth the last few days, but you know, whether it's music, books, art, uh, hobbies, uh, you know, I think that we're both inclined to kind of look through the weeds a little bit. And, yeah. um, I, I appreciate the fact that for whatever reason, people are, are valuing the conversation and opinion and, and discussion of things. So definitely want to respect that and, and talk about things that people that are listening are interested in, in hearing mm-hmm. our opinions on. Um, uh, and, and I would probably venture a guess that it's not because we answer necessarily every question with, you know, perfect advice or, uh, a, a directive. It's more, you know, it's just two situations of two men and how they've yeah. navigated similar things. I mean, that's really, yeah. I was talking to somebody about this, this exact concept the other day. I'm, I'm guilty of it as anyone in 
people being able to give you the correct advice for your situation, your need, whatever, for years. And it's almost like until you actualize that through failure, through lessons, whatever, you know, then it's like, oh yeah, so-and-so said to do this, you know, but you don't always take that advice right in the, in the jump. So that's kind of what this right. podcast to me feels like is it's just two more bits of information that can help you form your own. It's not, you know, you do things differently than I do. I do do mm-hmm. things differently than you do, but we're, we're both somewhat on a, on a path to, to the best lives that we, that we can live and navigating that. And, you know, the best part about that is, is, uh, the potential for our story to help someone else. You know, that's, exactly. that's really the genesis of all this. So, and, and the sharing of, and like you said, there's obviously two perspectives and coming from, you know, we are different obviously in a lot of mm-hmm. ways, but we're more similar in, sure. in more ways, you know what I mean? And so I think that's why, uh, it's, it's easy for the two of us, you know, even just speaking for, for myself and in having a conversation with you, like it's not difficult for us to get into stuff quickly and have actual conversation. We don't have to like beat around any kind of, you know, chit chat or anything like that to actually connect and and get something out of a, out of a conversation. Well, and the other thing too, is I know that you're a guy that thinks about what you say. Um, I think about what I say and actually another question that kind of ties into this part right here was somebody Mm -hmm. said, do you think that you and Ross would have been friends without the internet? Well, simple, mm. plain and simple, likely not. You know, I mean, yeah, it's not that often that I'm in Idaho. It's not that often that you're in Kentucky. Um, yeah. But I guess in the chance passing, I, I can just tell you, because of who I am and how I am, I am I am the most extroverted introvert ever. <laughs> like my job, um, you know, my translation through a screen is much different because I never shut up uh, than in person where I'm very quiet. So this is kind of like mm-hmm. that, you know, imagining the audience is naked. The the, the medium right. of a screen somewhat provides that effect for me. Is it like there's enough distance that if, sure. you know, if you piss me off or I don't want to do this anymore, I'm just going to close the screen, you know? Yep. Um, yep. So I don't know that I would have approached you um, necessarily. One, we have a little bit of age discrepancy. Two, you yep. probably wouldn't have been in a dive bar. So, you know what I mean? It's a... Uh, <laughs> There's, there's just, just a few circumstance hurdles. of the environment. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's just some stir. There's just some hurdles there that probably would have prevented us from easily becoming friends in real life. Sure. But I do think that had we had given that opportunity, it's a no brainer. I mean, we get along yeah. great. We, we, yeah, we talk about a lot of cool stuff off the, off the air, which I think generates good conversation mm-hmm. on it. But you know, as, as a 40 year old man, I am, I am quick to admit that I know, I am sure of less than I've ever been, you know, as far as my, my breadth of knowledge and whatnot. But at the same time, if I, if I say something, I've put some thought to it. I've put some time to it, but I'm also willing to back on that if presented with new information. So Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid of anything that I would say to you because most everything that I say are things that, I mean, at least I have beat myself to death trying to understand why I believe these things, you yeah. know? And, um, I, I just think that it's a cool opportunity. And I, I say that every episode, but I do, it's a cool opportunity mm-hmm. to talk to you and you always have great insights. So let's get it rolling. Let's do it. We had, um, two that were kind of good Genesis points for, for talks today. So it doesn't really matter which one we hit first, but the one that I received, uh, had a lot to do talking about, uh, men's health hormones, mm-hmm 
TRT kind of that realm. Cause uh, he's just kind of now at that he's in his mid thirties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's a conversation he's starting to, to have a lot more and was just wondering, you know, like, how do we, how do I, how do I begin to navigate this? You know, he's not, he, he went and got blood work done and it's actually not his, his testosterone levels weren't actually terrible. They may be a little bit on the lower side, but I mean, and, and you could say, well, what doctors are saying should be numbers probably is a little lower than what it should be anyways. Right. But, um, but it wasn't like some drastic thing where, you know, he needs to do this, but he also understands there's a lot of, uh, lifestyle things that he could improve that would naturally boost those numbers. So he's like, how much of this do I do before I look at this and where you've got the, the current experience mm-hmm. being on TRT and I, and I don't. So I, I think there's, we, we can obviously handle that a couple of different ways, but, sure. um, that was kind of, you know, there wasn't really like a direct question. It was just like, Hey, this is kind of where I'm at. I don't, really know how to navigate this yet you know yeah well i think you know if you wanted to touch on the more natural side some of the things that Mm -hmm. you can do in absence of of a doctor or trt i think you start there since that's you know you do more of that on a day-to-day basis yeah and we do on the trt yeah for sure so if we're if we're talking natural stuff i mean it's really funny because there's no like like almost anything i would say in this scenario is stuff that most people already know anyways it's not like some unique, you know, secret squirrel information that is going to help you naturally boost tea. Like I could write an ebook that says that and, you know, sell a million of them and it's just going to be basic stuff. Right. Right. But, uh, but a lot of the things that we're, we're talking about the, the, when I go through these with guys that are coming through uh, my various coaching programs or whatever, like almost number one, every time is sleep. Like most, most guys sleep is garbage, especially if like there's family and kids involved, which, you know, there's really no way around that, but you can optimize it as best as you can. So if there's things that you can do, like making the temperature of the room cooler, you know, the, a a lot of, a lot of the guys that I've read and seen a lot of numbers are, you know, like that mid to low sixties is kind of like a, a good sleeping temperature. They've got things like the chili pad that you can put on the mattress or whatever, if you want to spend the money and get those, uh, that like you can like temperature control your mattress, which are pretty wild. Um, or you can just like open a window if it's winter or time, get a $9 <laughs> you know? fan. Yeah, exactly. You know, you don't have to drop 1500 bucks or whatever it is to get one of yeah. the chili pads. No, I've, I've slept on one of those before and they're amazing, but it's just like, yeah. I think it's important for us to remove remove hurdles too, you know, because if you say get a chill pad, exactly, you know, that's obviously the Rolls Royce equation. But like you said, exactly. as simply as op- opening a window or having a box fan, I mean, yeah, I'm, I, you know, that's what I depend on. So I live in I live in Idaho in January. It doesn't take much to get a room cold. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you just kind of crack it open an inch, and it'll be yeah. into the low sixties within the hour. No so, um, but yeah, so th- the sleep is is oftentimes the conversation that we have first because of the inconsistency and the quality of the sleep rather than focusing always on getting more. Like that's always what everyone's assumption is, is like, I just need more. And that might be true if you're getting like five hours a night. Right. But if you're getting like six to seven, but it's just a crappy six to seven, we can do things to improve the quality of that. Like by, you know, doing dropping the temperature, like getting rid of blue light in the room or, you know, whether it's having a meal a little bit further away from bedtime. I mean, it just depends. Like there's all kinds of things that uh, can be helpful 
And usually when we're having these conversations, it's like, dude, try one of these things for the next like week and see if it helps. And if it does, yeah. and you want to keep it great, then we'll add one more thing on. We don't have to do seven different things on this in one night and expect it, you know, to know which one's making the difference or not. So, right. Well, the, can I make a point about that real quick? Yeah, totally. I, I think that's a great point too, just in general for fitness or, or diet or really any implementing any change in your life. Yeah. Um, I had a really cool, uh, is home ec, but it was foods class. Nice. And, and Carol Cannon was the teacher's name. She was great. Very elegant Southern lady. Uh, kind of remind you of one of those, uh, kind of the girls, uh, I don't remember what it is, but it's, you learn how to like cross your legs and sit up straight and walk with a book on your head. <laughs> yeah. You know, one of those yeah, kind yeah. of like, she reminded yep. me of that type. So we were making bread and, you know, bread's a delicate thing as far mm -hmm. as the process of making and rising and all that stuff. So she was like a lot of times for new people into cooking. She's like, if you give them the recipe, they they can see it, but they don't have the nuance of what those things mean and how to do them. And like, you don't get good bread. She's like, but if you teach yeah. somebody how to, you know, crack an egg or you teach somebody how to sift flour and you master those things and then you come back. And I think that's very important. You know, when people go on this new year's resolution kick, you know, it's, I'm stopping alcohol. I'm stopping smoking. I'm going to the gym four times a week. I'm changing my diet. I'm going to bed at this time. Yeah. It's not one of those things that fails you. It is the combination in the incapacity to have the same schedule, the same routine, and just trying to pick and, and really yep. introvert your life completely. I think it's much better if you say, look, this week, my focus is eating better. And, and do the things that are going to be success laden first. Sure. You know, sleep mm -hmm. being one, that's the easiest. But don't say I'm going to quit smoking because first, you know, start building right. some momentum of success and belief in yourself. So sorry to interrupt there, but I think it's no, just important to, to really break it down so that people lose that idea of changing their life in 30 days and yep. start looking at living a better 30 years. You know, yes. I think that is a, that is the win. And, and focusing on like the really granular thing, like the thing mm -hmm. that you're going to be able to know you can, or like, that's the hyper-focus. We talked about this when we were talking about my experience shooting the recurve sure. like for, for the longest time. It was like, you know, I, I was hitting targets and I was having good groups and I didn't know why. So I would focus like, okay, I'm going to make sure I feel this one thing every time. And that way I know if it's this that is doing it or not. And then if it's, if it's not, then I can move on to the next thing, whether it's how much that's canted or how, you know, whether I'm feeling it sure. on my hand or whatever, like there's all these little things that you can like essentially just experiment with mm -hmm. and see if that's going to be the thing that makes the difference or not. And it's hard to do that when you're trying 10 different things at once that sure. are all new, you know? And so and what's the with, net yield of each individual thing? You know, right. that's the other concern too. Yep, exactly. Try to find the, the, the thing that's going to be essentially like the highest leverage thing, uh, mm -hmm. that you can singularly focus on. So the, the sleep thing is, is always the first thing and almost to the point where I say, we're going to not even focus on anything else for a little while until we can at least get this a little bit more dialed in, not perfect, but get some sort of system where we're at least sleeping better. And that does a ton already. There was some study uh, I can't remember how long ago it was, but they had, you know, and it was, they had done it on a group of men and I, I the ages were like in their twenties. So they were young men. They weren't like old men who were already having declining 
testosterone numbers already, but, uh, it was like after even just three nights of, I think less than six hours, it was something like 10 to 15% drop in testosterone in the men, even just after like three or four nights or something, it was less than a week of less than six hours of sleep does like that has that much impact. And you think about how people just have done that for decades or what or years, you know, and it's, it's one of these things you're talking about. It's not going to be fixed in 30 days. You, it took you 17 years or 20 years of crappy habits and crappy sleep to get to this point where now your your numbers are tanked, but we can do small things here to, to gradually start to build those back up. And, uh, so the sleep, yeah, sleep was always the first one. Uh, the next one, if it, if we tie it into the, the nutrition point, um, that's obviously a big one. Uh, having saturated fats and cholesterol is, is, I, you know, from everything we've seen recently, like cholesterol being one of the things that helps build testosterone in your body. So mm-hmm. if you were to listen from any sort of medical or popular health advice from the last 40 years up until about eight years ago, you probably wouldn't have gotten that advice at all. Uh, because of cholesterol and eggs and everything be bad, except now eggs cause blood clots, according to an article I saw this week. So it seems like there's always something to do it. (laughs) Zip it. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lose my privileges anymore. (laughs) I'm not going to even go down that road. We're on YouTube now. We'll get, we'll get shut down. (laughs) I know. I, uh, I had to silence myself on that one, but, um, you know, I think it's important just to, just to give people, uh, you know, a 101, you know, kind of a dumbed down version of nutrition. One of the things that is so important to your body from a protein, carbohydrate, fat standpoint is the protein is the utilization, repair, and building of muscle. Carbohydrate is an energy source and fat can be converted to an energy source, a source for warmth, a source for, you know, generating hormones and whatnot. So Mm -hmm. when you are putting protein into your body at a consistent basis, it is not depleting protein from the muscle tissue to satisfy bodily function. Just like fat. When you are putting fat into your body at a consistent rate, meal by meal or day to day, your body doesn't say, oh, wait, I need to hold on to all this extra fat that is being put into my body because there's a constant stream of it coming in. I don't need mm-hmm. to store it. So that is where some of the carnivore keto-ish phenomenon comes from is the idea yep. that we're going to satisfy uh, the protein needs for our muscle. We're going to utilize fat so that we don't store fat. And we're also going to train our bodies to utilize fat as energy. I am, I have done that. And I, have, yeah. and I, and these are more short term solutions for yep. me as far as all, all meat. Uh, I've even done uh, vegetarian and pescatarian weeks, you know, just yep. post competition, huge gut distress, trying to gain 15, 20 pounds over a training cycle. Yep. And then it's like, I need to let my body rest, just do some vegetables, reintroduce some fish, reintroduce some eggs, and then get back to chicken and then finally beef. So when you're looking at this whole argument of what do I eat? Well, you need to understand that simple equation. Protein at, at basically at a rate of 0.8 to 1 gram per pound of lean body mass. That's where you'll start getting a lot of extra calories too. If you're 300 pounds and 100 pounds of fat and you're eating 300 grams of protein, mm-hmm. well, you're getting an extra 400 calories of waste. So yeah. you just got to start weighing these things out around your lean body organism. That's what you're trying to feed, grow, and refine. You're not trying to feed the fat that's already there. 
So yep. don't don't base your calories around stored fat. Base it around your lean body tissue plus about five to eight percent. You know, mm-hmm. and if you do that, you'll be covering yourself on protein at one gram per pound. I still think the 40 40 20 equation is is universally good for yeah. most people. Yeah. Forty uh, percent of your diet should be uh, from protein. 40 percent should be from carbohydrate and 20 percent should be from fat if you're an athletic active normal habitual person mm-hmm. that rhythm right there around your lean body mass is going to be a recipe for success yeah and and you made the point as far as losing weight that was actually going to be kind of the next thing that i wanted to bring up anyways i mean we, we're talking about all these things you can do but just losing body fat will help with the production of more testosterone. Like you just do not produce as much when you are carrying a lot of body fat. So, I mean, all of these things kind of lend itself to losing body fat, right? Which is going to do it, but just the act of having less body fat will help improve those numbers on its own. So we can talk about all these like things, right? And I know that, uh, it's been kind of a running joke where, um, where you've been, (laughs) you've been going after all the ice bath people for the last few weeks. Uh, it's a hierarchy of needs, you know, exactly. And that was my point. Exactly. It's, it's not the ice bath that I have beef with. It's the fact that people can adopt these reels or, you know, performances, we'll call it Mm -hmm. where they show themselves doing these things. And it's very easy. Like, I eat raw liver. I take an ice bath. I do these things. Those are 15 second sequential videos that they can release as content. It doesn't necessarily mean that the other 23 hours look like they're presenting to you. That can be achieved in a lot of manipulation, you know, like as far as um, they can be telling you that they're doing all natural diet and they're over here taking thousands of dollars worth of supplement or, you know, performance enhancement drugs, whatever. Yep. So, I don't necessarily run to the people that are trying to sell me the ice bath. I run to the people who are living a healthy life and have found the ice bath as an alternative step, you know, and that's what I want people to encourage and decipher as well. It's like, if you go just start taking ice baths versus doing nothing else different in your life, I do believe you will have some positive benefit from that effect. Do I think it is going to radicalize, revolutionize and revitalize your life? Absolutely not. Singularly. But as mm-hmm. a part of a program and process, right. 100%. And it's in, right. it's getting those things in order and dedicating the time appropriate to the order of those things. Yeah, and it's and it's to the point now where I think it's just because now, I mean, and now there's, I don't know, a dozen companies that make them, right? Mm-hmm. Like that build like, they're like six to $12,000. Yeah, tubs, $250 you know? in tractor supply. You can get an ice, you can get a water truck. Not even. Ice My 100 gallon one was like 110 bucks. Like, yeah, it was, well, I go for the nice you know? one, Ross. I want the nice one. Okay. And then I, the one I had, shit. I want the nice one. <laughs> the one I had before that was a chest freezer I got from an old man on Craigslist that lived yeah. down the street that was moving. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm moving into a nursing home. I can't take this freezer with me. Do you want to get, give me 20 bucks for it. Yeah. And it was like all, you know, rusted out and dirty and old, but it turned on. And yep. so it kept it cold. And I'm like, this is perfect. I literally don't, that was the first one I had. So, I mean, that's these, what Terrence did. He got yeah. one on Craigslist in South Africa, 50, yeah. you know, $50 us. So and- you talk about like removing obstacles, right? Like yeah. you, you obviously look at the Morozco one or whatever it is that they sent Joe. Like you literally look at that. It's like $12,000 yeah. thing. 
Like mm-hmm. that's going to pretty, that's going to, even the ice barrel is almost a thousand dollars. And all that is, is just a barrel shaped rubber made thing. Well, right? 34 degrees of water in a, you know, in a tank or 34 degree water in a, you know, piece of rubber made cooler is 34 <laughs> degrees. It's still 34 yeah. degrees, you know, or I, go I, find a stream in January. Like, you know, <laughs> it doesn't yeah. have to be even anything that you're, that you're going like that you have to build or do like, yeah. I mean, it depends on where you live, but there's all kinds of streams and rivers around here that like, again, it's January. They're all going to be cold. I yeah. don't have to like turn on a cooler or a chill machine. To <coughs> you get pay your taxes, go get in the water. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's right. That's my land anyways. It's my land. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I guess the last thing that, uh, and, and this was more, you know, all these are things that I, uh, I do my best to practice frequently, right? I'm not, these aren't things that I can say, like I do all of these every single day, but I know that when I do these things, I feel a difference. And so that's what I generally like to share with the guys I coach or whatever. But the other one that I did feel made a difference for me was the early morning sunlight and Mm. getting that, you know, as much, obviously just in general, as much sunlight as you can get is going to help. Um, but I really just enjoy getting that early morning sun and I'll just, so I'll just like walk outside and literally just stand there and like, that's how I wake up. Just go outside Mm -hmm. and stand there as the sun's coming up. doesn't have to be like some weird, you know, you're doing some movement, meditating and like doing this chanting. That's right. You can literally just stand there and like breathe and drink coffee with your shirt off in the sun. And then it's cold. So you're getting some, I mean, it just feels good, but Mm -hmm. the, the setting of the circadian rhythm getting that early morning sun goes into that first point about having better sleep. Mm-hmm. And so all of those things kind of working together are, are building this equation. Uh, but any one of the things I think people will notice a positive effect from, but again, if we're talking about doing something like bringing up testosterone levels or whatever it is, it's not something that you gonna be like, I did this for three days. I'm going to go get tested again and see if that worked. Right. right. Like you got to you got to do this over a period of weeks at the minimum. And then uh, and I know you get you get yourself uh, tested fairly frequently. Um, mm. So but I mean, there's a block of time where it's like I need to know if this works and that's not going to be a couple of days. No. So you, just like a regular training program, you're not going to you're not going to build uh, a bunch of muscle in a week and a half on a training program, even if the training program is great. Like you have to stick with that for time. Right. Yeah, I think that one thing that, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, I don't remember the doctor's name, but um, Dr. Eric Serrano, mm. he had he had referenced this. The body heals 70 for, 70% faster than it uh, degenerates. Mm. So, and, and that's by like our hand. So if we're drinking alcohol sure. for three years, if we stop for two years, we'll essentially be back at the same point. Okay. You know, I'm with you. Um, yep. Or I'm sorry. I think if you stop for a year, you get the same benefit as, as if you'd never drink at all, something like that. Okay. I mean, don't quote sure. me, but just keep that idea in mind. Yeah. And, uh, that's the way my body really, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a different kind of example because I was chasing human performance at the elite world-class world champion, best in the right. world type level. So, I never got to ride the roller coaster of, of natural, you know, regression of my own testosterone. Right. After my injury, uh, I I don't want to speak too heavily into specifics of, of, I mean, I don't care to tell you every single thing I did in long form, but that's not this episode. Um, 
but I was using uh, three to four times uh, a medical dose of testosterone. I was using uh, some some other agriculture steroids, you know, for horses or whatever. And um, all of those things, you know, did exactly what they were designed to do, make me stronger, uh, made me recover better. You know, they, they work very well. They are medication. So whenever I, whenever I was injured, uh, what we discovered is that, well, not that we discovered, but we, we applied information that um, exogenous testosterone injections can agitate the body and create uh, new, new infection. You know, mm. the body can go into some kind of defensive mode because of the injection, whatever. I don't, I don't understand sure. all of it again, not a doctor, yeah. but that was one of the things that they told me because I would, that was, that was in line. I would have a surgery. I had 19 surgeries throughout uh, a four and a half year period on my left knee. I would be on my back for four weeks at a time post-surgery. So you're looking at like 76 weeks on my back in the course of four years. Yeah. And what we found out was, is in those four weeks, I was doing no exogenous testosterone. I was doing no hormone replacement whatsoever. And actually, I didn't know anything about that at this time. I was still in that mindset of being a competitive powerlifter. So every time that I would get clearance at week five, I started my testosterone again. And by week, week eight or nine, I was suffering from infection again. Yeah. So don't know if that was causation or correlation, but you sure. know, it, it made sense to stop for a while. And really that's when I started to see my body heal and get healthy and stop having surgery. So for about a year and a half, uh, I was completely off testosterone trying to, uh, re re jump, regenerate my own. Mm -hmm. And it just wasn't happening. I mean, I was taking DHEA, I was taking triple thoracic, I was doing a lot of the men's, uh, supplement stacks, you know, yep. and it was, you know, it was like a pulse. It would go up for a little bit and come down and go up a little bit and come down. So, uh, lo and behold, I was at a movie and Evan Foster comes up to me and he was like, Hey man, uh, I know you from powerlifting. And we talked for a second. And he was like, my dad does uh, TRT. He, he's a doctor for TRT for, for hormones. He said, I think you should come by and just let us do a blood panel on you and just have a consultation. Well, I don't know why I, you know, chance meeting of this kid, but it was the mm -hmm. right thing because I was, you know, I was not in a good place. Yeah. And that was also when I'd gone through, um, you know, I think there was a physical trigger of my injury and whatnot, as far as depression. And yeah. then I think that there was the hormonal imbalance that was maybe exacerbating yeah. those feelings. And, uh, so I go to the doctor and, you know, he, he checks me out and he's like, you're not really as bad as I expected for the things that you shared with me that you've done to your body. Sure. So we had a good starting block and actually his whole goal with me and again, this is a case by case basis. Each, each patient has their own goals and vision. But I told him, I said, I want to live to 75. You know, that was, that was a goal of mine because no man on my dad's side of the family's lived past 73. So wanted to make that kind of just a, a long-term vision. And he offered me three or three uh, medications that would work cohesively and, and kind of line me out. So he offered me testosterone. He offered, he offered me an anti-estrogen and he also offered me, um, HCG for, uh, semen production. Mm -hmm. So, and that's basically the most fundamental cocktail that a TRT hormone replacement doctor will put you on. That is, that is the fundamental operation of the reproductive system for a man. And there are other options there too. I mean, you can go into the, 
you know, the Botox side of his clinic. You can go into the peptide side of his clinic, the growth hormones and those kind of things. I literally just wanted to stick and have stuck to the very base essentials. Mm -hmm. So therapy dose for testosterone usually in most men runs around 200 milligrams of cypionate per week. Um, when we started, I was a little bit more than that. I was around 325, 300. And then as my body started acclimating and started working a little more efficiently, getting some of the estrogen down and, uh, and, and balanced. Mm -hmm. Now my body's starting to like, Oh, this feels good. Let's, let's assist this process. Mm. And as of right now, I uh, just came back. He lowered my anti-estrogen uh, because my body's doing really well there. And we are stuck at 200 milligrams per week of cypionate. So I'm down 125 milligrams from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And the 200 milligrams puts me in a, not only in a, in a testosterone score range, but also in a free testosterone range that is not just on the high side of normal. It's actually just above that. But I've always had somewhat high testosterone. Even when I was younger, I told you mm -hmm. when I was 18, 19, um, I failed that piss test and I had yeah. never taken anything but protein. Yep. So, you know, my body tends to be a little bit more productive in that area. And uh, through his help and, and really just getting a, a quarterly blood work, getting, you know, kind of just a hormone profile every three months and then every six months getting a full blood panel. Yeah. And, you know, going up on 40, knowing that there's cancer in my family, there's some heart disease in my family. You know, for the if you have insurance for the cost of a copay, it's just it's just peace of mind. And and literally, yeah. the one thing that started to become very attractive to me, uh, it's not that I fear cancer. It's not that I'm just sitting here waiting for the you know the diagnosis of it, but it has it's been in my family. So there are markers on a on a full blood panel that you know if in January there's nothing, everything looks good, and in April everything looks good, but oh wait, in July there's a marker. Chances are the potential for, for harm is only a few months old. So the proactive nature of it is very appealing yeah. to me on all fronts. Plus, like I said, you know, I have a goal. If we can get my testosterone fully functioning to, to never have to see Dr. Foster, that's the mm -hmm. ultimate goal. Right. But I also know that that's, that's an impossible goal. You know, I want to optimize myself as much as I can, mm -hmm. but I also want to be 70 years old, getting up and walking and doing activities that I like, possibly hunting, hiking. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to just be a normal male. So if I'm in this process, I don't want to fall at that average line. You know, I want to fall inside the line that is medically ethical, that is within the argument of health, as well as performance. I don't just want to be a healthy slug. Right. You know, I, I want to be highly active. Um, feel good, look my age instead of yeah. looking much older, those kind of things. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a great process, but I think that goes doctor to doctor, case by case. Um, I could not recommend Dr. Foster enough in Lexington, Kentucky as Foster Medical. He does do uh, outreach, you know, as far as like he'll work with you if you're mm -hmm. abroad or not abroad, but, you know, somewhere else. Elsewhere. Elsewhere. That's a good so, word. Uh <laughs> So I have a question because and this is just me not, not knowing and being uh, ignorant on a lot of this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but when, when you had said that now your, your dosage has dropped down to 200, mm -hmm. uh, that means that you're still keeping the same total number and your body has made up that difference to get you to that point. Is that how that, that's correct. Yeah. That works. Yeah. Okay. That's so just like, <clears throat> just like when you have that, um, I can't remember. Oh, it's the polycystic ovarian syndrome for women. 
mm-hmm. the PCOS. Yep. And uh, a lot of times their metabolism is stunted until they can get some of that excess body fat off. That is, mm. it becomes very, very difficult. They have that, that uh, adipose retention around the gut area. Mm-hmm. And until you can get some of that PCOS, I guess, range of fat off the body, they're never going to be able to lose weight. And there are actually right. drugs like Adapex is one. I, I coached at one time, I coached a, a group of like fitness men, women, like they just, I wouldn't call it CrossFit. I would call it like plyometrics and CrossFit. Okay. But I had five women in a group of five women and five men who had all taken Adapex and every single one had the PCOS. And wow. these are not like, these are not overly large women. These are just women who were like probably 20, 30 pounds uncomfortable with themselves. Yeah. Um, and, and they were having, I mean, dude, I, we worked hard, they were dieting and they weren't losing weight. And only when they were all later di- diagnosed with PCOS did it start to make sense. So right. in the same way, I had to do some rehabilitative work to my body as a whole because it could not process any better than it was without exogenous testosterone. Sure. And then as my body started to heal, quote unquote, um, the process of, of testosterone production, semen production, all those things started to streamline once again. I mean, I was a 350 pound man at my last surgery at probably, you know, high 20% body fat. You know, yeah. like I, I was not the same 330 pounds I was before an injury. Right. So I had to do a lot of that metabolic work, that fat reduction before my body would even do the best it could with the external medicine. You know, it's like you have to help this. It's not just a wonder drug. The, the more you put into yourself and the more you work for this medicine, the more mm-hmm. the medicine is going to work for you. And that was pretty cool that he told me that up front. He was like, my goal is to get you down to a truly just therapeutic level, not like minimal, you know, just trying to figure out how to keep you healthy. So we've done that. I mean, I think this was year six and at about 18 months. uh, And again, so 20 years of lifting, 20 years of, well, probably 12 years, 13 years of um, steroids and testosterone Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And then in about 18 months, my body started lining itself out again. Um, you know, so the body's yeah. an amazing thing. It wants to be well. It, it wants yeah. to feel good. So That's when you the, start the helping the body, it, it pays you back in spades. And I just can't speak highly enough of it. I think there's a terrible stigma around it. I think we celebrate when women, you know, go get their hormones looked at, addressed, and, and in control, we'll say. And man, it's kind of been taboo. It's tied to the dirty guy that cheated in sports and all this other kind of stuff. It's just not true. I mean, I've never, even at my biggest, you know, I was an asshole, but I never had what I would define as roid rage. I've never, I'm actually probably calmer now Mm -hmm. than I've ever been. And I'm on testosterone. So I think that is by and large, uh, I think whatever you are, it can magnify. So if you're an asshole, if you're, if you're angry all the time, if you're abusive to your spouse or you're you know, a super good guy and motivated, I think it will cast you further in that direction. It's just, it's not an excuse to be anything more than you are. So when we're, when we're talking about these, you know, I guess you said six years, right? So you were 34 on yeah. since beginning this like kind of current yep, phase 34, stuff, 35. Right? So around, I mean, it, it's obviously going to be dependent on, on the individual, but 
you know, what kind of things would you recommend as far as it, I mean, the blood work is like the like easiest, right? Like, cause that's yeah. going to give you the exact data, mm-hmm. right? So just going and getting what, I mean, which tests specifically do you say, you know, we need to get, make sure we get these ones. What are like the ones that we're actually so looking for? You can do a couple be, different things. And, and yeah. this is, this is the, the lingo that we use with Dr. Yep. Foster. I just say, I want a hormone panel. And okay. I think that strictly just checks testosterone, free testosterone, estrogen, all those things. Yep. And then a comprehensive is uh, twice a year, middle of the year, end of year. And and that does everything like cholesterol and lipids. Yeah, yeah. And, it goes, and everything it's pretty, else. you know, yeah. checks. Uh, I, I know there's a marker for kidneys. I know there's a marker for liver, yep. heart, you know, things like that. So, you know, peace of mind in, in a health regard, as I've gotten older, have respected more and more. I understand that early understanding of health as far as if there's a problem means a higher, you know, higher ability to heal. Yeah. So that's what I would recommend is, um, even if you can't afford a doctor, even if you can't, uh, afford coaching, you can get a blood test. And I do know that there's some online coaches, uh, Ross, you may do this. I don't know, but even if you can't afford a, an online coach for a one-time blood assessment, like you can go to a, a, I don't know, like an urgent care or something like that, but they have some blood draws, like yeah. that they'll do this for you. It's about a hundred dollars. And then I think I've seen some coaches average advertising between 25 and $50 just to decipher what that to analyze it. Yeah. Just to give them yep. some feedback or there's tons of YouTube videos out there that talk about it and you can kind mm-hmm. of self-educate. It's just, it's, it's what you can do with the means that you have. And, um, but I, I don't think that there's a better way forward for like a true statement of health because people can look healthy and be terribly toxic. So I think from a, from an internal standpoint, that blood test is about as good as you can get, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, within anybody's budget. Well, and that's the difference is the, the outward appearance versus what's going on on the inside. And that's like, sure. we, we assume because someone, <clears throat> because someone is, uh, is lean or they've got a lot of musculature and they look fit that they must be really healthy. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, we've made the, the analogy like handful episodes back. Like if you're training to be super fit or training for performance, like you're going to sacrifice actual health yeah. in pursuit of those things. Well, and, and also though, how you define health is, is health just right. your physical body. Is it, or is it your mental well being, your physical body, your spirituality, you know, is it, is it the coalescence of all that? And I, as I've gotten older, I definitely think so because, you know, I was never, you know, in my prime shredded as far as that, but I was elite at what I was doing. Yeah. And that was probably the least healthy I was from a mental standpoint. I had an altered view of myself an altered view of the world because of the altered mm-hmm. view of myself. Um, I was empowered by my skill by people, you know, I was able to reinforce behaviors that were terrible because eh, I can do this thing, you know? So I don't know that I just quantify health as going to the doctor and getting a blood test and getting TRT and being, being healthier in in the body sense. It's to me, the hormones play such a a vital part to the, to the upstairs portion, you know, your brain, the way that it works. If you think that you can be fully operational, fully healthy mentally when you're body testosterone or your body hormones are out of whack. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a recipe for disaster. They, I think they just, 
every system on earth down to our bodies are these intricately designed, beautiful, detailed, and everything is meant to work together. So, mm-hmm. you know, healthy body, healthy mind, happy heart, you know, I think. And we, and we, you said too, uh, uh several minutes back, but it's a, it's a concept that I don't think a lot of people understand is that the body's natural state is health. Yeah. You know, it's all of the extra things that we do that take us further away from that. And that Mm -hmm. is physical, mental, all of these things that we're, that we're either, you know, choosing to take part in or putting ourselves in positions where we have no choice, but to take part in. Right. Right. And, uh, and I would say 99% of those are completely under our own control. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and that's the thing that like a lot of people don't want to hear is, well, you know, these were the direct results of maybe not a decision you even remember recently, but one that you have definitely made puts you into this position, you know, or a stack of decisions. And so when we're, when we're talking about like all these things that we can do to improve a lot of this stuff, and I've made this analogy before as well, like you don't really realize how, how bad a position you were in until you start feeling good. Mm-hmm. And then like when some of these things start clicking and maybe you're doing some of these things that, that on the natural side, or you go, go the medical route, but you start to feel like what you're supposed to feel like. And then you look back and you're like, dude, how did I ever do that for so long? You well, know? dude, I'll, I'll tell you right now. Um, I got a CPAP when I was powerlifting yeah. and <clears throat> I got it, um, kind of back channel. I had a, I had a, well, I won't say a friend, his piece of shit, but I knew a guy <laughs> that was uh, working in a medical field and he was working with insurance and he was working with CPAPs, BiPAPs. And essentially what would happen is uh, some of these CPAPs would be purchased front hand and then the model would update and the insurance would only cover a newer model. So he would have these overstocks and come to find out he was wheeling and dealing on those, which is fine. I mean, I paid for it. I got it, whatever. Yeah. But, um, I didn't know that he was, he was doing some shady shit until he screwed me over and two of my friends. So fuck that guy. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I get the CPAP, put it on, obviously first time wearing it, nearly suffocated. I hated it and, um, kind of stuck it on the floor for another month. And dude, I was, this is how bad it was. I was 325 pounds strong as I was ever had ever been. I would wake up in the morning sometimes kneeling beside the bed, like in a prayer position on the bed, like just with my head down asleep because I could, I could actually stay upright and breathe that way because I would almost like suffocate myself out of the bed. And, um, I mean four or five nights a week, I'm waking up like that on my knees and, uh, I would, you know, I would be in the bed nine, 10 hours. And my, my watch tracker would say like an hour and a half of sleep. And I, w- I was so miserable. I was so, and you know, lack of sleep clouds your judgment. I think all of these things, when I talk about making mistakes in my life or bad choices, I think all of these things are contributors to that. I mean, being in the bed for 10 hours and getting what your watch quantifies an hour and a half of sleep every day, you know. Mm-hmm. So finally, I just committed to it. I'm going to do this thing. I went from the nasal mouth piece to just a nasal piece. And I slept for five hours and 15 minutes straight. I got, I got up off the bed and literally I took the mask off and just started bawling. Like I actually got up and felt weightless mm-hmm. versus like every morning was a true test to get out of bed. Like everything yeah. hurt. 
everything sucked. Like it was just a misery that I can't, and I've never really thought about this that much. Like I've never talked about yeah. it that much, you know? So I don't, yeah. I don't really have much of a descriptor for it, but the way that I felt was so bad and it was all for an hour and a half, two hours in the gym, you know, four or five days a week. And when I started to feel what one day felt like, and then I felt what a week of wearing a CPAP and then a month and Oh, by the way, I've lost a hundred pounds since I started wearing my CPAP. I don't know that if I don't know that I was in such a shape that my body would have responded to the stimulus I was giving it as far as trying to lose weight without the sleep effect. Yeah. So I, you know, I agree with Ross, you know, the sleep stuff, the, the TRT, I mean, the natural course, however you go about it, mm-hmm. somebody's got to be fighting for you. You know, like yeah. you've, you've got one body, nobody else is, is able to do this for you. So it is really a unique, challenging, worthwhile journey. If you can get your head around it and you can commit to the things and like, even still a CPAP is not my favorite choice of, of you know, like it's not, there's nothing sexy about it. There's nothing fun about it. There's nothing cool about it. But when you, you know, even now I don't, necessarily need it but when i've got my ass kicked three or four days in a row and i need a good night's sleep i throw it on and mm-hmm. it is immediate impact so you've got to find the things that work for you um and and really commit to them like i said the first time i tried it i hated it but yeah. then i just got so much more miserable in that next month month and a half that the only option it seemed that i had was going back to it and sure enough it fixed it so the it's tough. well and the thing that is Op- positive obviously but optimistic about those types of experiences is having that when you realize like wow there's like that much of a difference and how much better i feel like immediately just that experience alone is that's like i'm i have to do this again you know because yeah. i understand how good i feel now and so having those types of moments you know, if it's a sleep thing or if it's any of these other things that we've talked about, when you start to feel good, you want to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's what building momentum and, and fostering discipline is all about. Cause you realize this is the way that is actually going to make me feel better and uh, help me be whatever it is I'm trying to be uh, wherever I need it in my life. If you start having those positive experience, that's the biggest indicator of further success is having a little bit of success and then you just keep building on that every time. Yeah. And it's like I said, you know, it took, it took trying a couple of different masks for the CPAP. It took trying yeah. some different dosages for my TRT, mm-hmm. uh, even some of the supplements that I take, you know, I was on antibiotics for four years, pretty much continuously because of my knee. Yeah. So my gut health and the gut biome, when I started trying to get healthy, prevented basically any attempt at that. I could only eat very, very limited foods, you know, cream of rice and banana and some stirred in peanut butter was like where I started. So I certainly didn't love that. I certainly didn't, uh, you know, enjoy that process of, you know, I actually got to a point where I had a love hate thing with that. Like I was so hungry that I wanted to eat it, but I hated it. And, um, but that was so gentle to my stomach that, within a few weeks I was able to start adding, okay, it's not no longer cream of rice. It's white rice. It's no longer just a banana. It's uh, it's some eggs and a banana, you know, right. it's these little things. And th- I think that is the hardest, like, like for example, for, um, you know, I, I always come back to archery, but you know, when I got that second bow, the wood bow from Juana, I wanted to shoot it just like my other bow. 
Yeah. Immediately. I never gave mm-hmm. it the due process that I'd given the other bow shooting at five yards and then 10 yards mm-hmm. and so on. I wanted to shoot at 30. Right. Well, that's kind of how our body works. Like whatever changes you make, you can't jump in 10 steps down the road. You have to start at the fundamental basics and find your groove with whatever that change is. And, you know, that's, we talked about that with Cam Haynes. You see him inspiring a generation of people to go run marathons. Well, I would prefer to think that more people should probably just get up and start walking a mile, you know, and, and let the marathon be, that's the goal that got you started. That's the goal that you're going to work towards, but start where you need to start where you are Yeah, and uh, make those small changes. One change at a time will change your life. And that's kind of the whole point of the things that we were talking about on this, in this conversation so far is like, there's obviously like, masters and PhD level courses of nuance that go into every individual thing that we talked about. And we've cut, we covered like eight things in a matter of less than an hour. You know what I mean? And so if there's all kinds of rabbit holes to give more information and it just depends on where you are and what you need. But the idea is any of these things can work, right? And pick one and, and try it out for a while and see if you notice any positive effects. And if not, scrap it, try one of the other ones, like do something until you find something that works, continue to build on that. Because even with the, even like the, the very few things that we talked about on when I was mentioning like the natural side of things, we didn't even get into like the environmental stuff, like plastics and EMFs. And I mean, all of these things that do have an effect, but you got to think what's the, like the essentially the lowest hanging fruit situation that I can take direct control over today and not stress about like, Oh, I need to get like EMF shields for my windows, you know, like stuff that we can make a lot of easier decisions today and build on that. And then maybe you do get to that point. Once you realize, look, I'm an, I, I've taken this to as far as I can take this, what's the next thing that'll take me that five extra percent. And then from there, the five extra percent. So, obviously there's way more to like depth of these things than we were able to cover. But the idea is just do something of them and it will have a positive effect. Well, I do think it's somewhat irresponsible, you know, to say, Oh, do this and this and this and this, and then you're going to fix your testosterone and you're going to be happy and everything else. Um, There's enough of those guys out there that are telling you how to live your life. If you want that, uh, I probably wouldn't listen to this, but (laughs) you know, the thing I will, I will say is like, start looking at commonalities. If mm-hmm. 10 people are using a CPAP that are overweight and they all start feeling better losing weight, chances are you don't need them to tell you, but you know, the, the story mm-hmm. is right there and all of these other things. Ross is so, is so correct in how much control we actually have over our decision-making when we know what those decisions lead to. I think yeah. a lot of times because of the pace of life, because of the lifestyle that is presented through through so many mediums um we have this laissez-faire carefree like oh man i'm just in the moment like i'm just living it you know (laughs) and that's fine too like i do prescribe to that you know i I do think that um you do have to be presently aware of, of where you are in your life and what you're doing and the people that are around you but you don't just blow like a leaf in the wind to success in business or in athletics Mm -hmm. or in life, or you can't just blow like a leaf in the wind and love your spouse the way that you should, or love your kids the way that you should. Mm -hmm. You have to be the wind. You have to push the leaves. And for me, that is 
decision making, that is planning, that is, and I am good at these things in regards to myself. Like I, I can deconstruct myself and plan and orient myself. I struggle with some of those things in other areas of my life as far as the order and the the direction and things like that. But I started with myself and Mm -hmm. slowly the things in my life that were struggling because of my inability have gotten better. They're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But I think taking the ownership of your life that whether, whether your life is where you want it beyond where you want it or not where you thought it would be, all of those statements come somewhere from the fact of the life that you've lived. You know, the choices that you've made, the doors you've walked through, the hands you've shaked, the people's faces you've spit in, the backs you've stabbed, all of those things lead somewhere to where you are. And I think that, you know, I was talking to my buddy Jordan about it. He's like, you can't just put out good and get back all bad. You know, and I think that's mm-hmm. that's kind of the concept of the plus one, too. I'd made so many bad choices and the hole was so deep, I had no idea how to get out of it. But yeah. I decided to call my dad, you know, or I decided to, to you know, mm-hmm. not look at life the way that I was. Whatever those steps were, it was it, like you can dial a phone or you can change yeah. your mind about the setting that you're in. And sometimes that's as simple as change is, is doing the right thing now. Yep. I want to take this before we close into a, a maybe would get a lot of people heated argument discussion because it's fun. Good. Because uh, we're talking about um, testosterone and you mentioned athletes and stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to ask you yeah. this as your opinion. Okay. Who is the best baseball player of all time? Because you're a baseball guy. Yeah, I know I love baseball, <laughs> and that's that's why it poses such a hard question. Um, obviously, you know Ty Cobb, Pete Rose come to mind. Um, mm-hmm. Two guys that I I love the history of and respected tremendously. Um, you know, I know Rose has had some issues with the game, but all around baseball player, man, Bonds. <sighs> That's what I was, uh, and not that not that that's what I was hoping you'd say, but I wanted that to like. That's the argument, and it happened recently because of all this stuff when Aaron Judge broke. Mm. You know, they were making a big deal like he's the home run king now. I'm like, dude, dude, I can take not. I can take away <laughs> like, I can matter. take away his 73. I can take away his uh, what was it 771 or whatever it was 762 like, 760. Yeah, that's right. Um, yep, I can take those away. You take you know. He's still going to have an aggregate of of home runs. He's still going to have, you know, a a season tally for home runs. Let's say he hit 50 home runs and hit 500 home runs total. Mm -hmm. You look at the collective body of work outside of that. You look at the collective defensive work that that guy did. uh, Mm -hmm. You look at the collective opinion of him as a teammate. I mean, I, you know, I don't give a shit that the guy hit 73 home runs or 762 on steroids. I really don't because you, you know, you'll look at guys in magazines and people will fawn and oogle and, and women will want them. And it's like, well, that's steroids. And, you know, you look at a guy who's hyper powerful in business and he's, he looks 50 when he's 75 and he, you know, he trains hard and he has money and this, that, and the other. And we respect that and we love that. Mm-hmm. That's TRT, you know, yep. and you go down all these lines. I'm a 30 year old guy that plays rec, rec league dodgeball. I'm allowed <laughs> to be on, I'm allowed to be on testosterone. But mm-hmm. a 30-year-old male in the major leagues with 162 games a year, um, 
is getting not. paid tens of millions of dollars to right. be the best. To put your happy ass in the seat and clap for yeah. his happy ass. Listen <laughs> yeah. here, you stupid. Uh, listen, I'm about to go off. All right. I am about to go off and I'm not going to. So, um, but the thing lot, with, the thing with Barry was like, people forget when he was in Pittsburgh, like dude, that's he when I was, fell in love with him, him and Bobby Bonilla. All, he was already unreal. Like yeah. people were already talking about him being like, dude, this guy is, he could be one of the best hitters of Barry all time. Bonds, before. Bobby Bonilla, he, Sid yeah. Bream, dude, those guys. They Bobby were dirty. Is the best contract ever. By the <laughs> oh, way. Bobby Bonilla. Bo- Bobby Bonilla Day is coming up pretty soon. I think. Yeah, I think it's sometime in March. Yeah, he negotiated a, a lower payment because they were they were in some financial trouble with the Mets. So he's like, "Look, yeah, I'll take this amount, but you got to pay me over the next 30, 40. He got a deal kind of like Allen. It was because of the Madoff stuff. Yeah, like, it was be, with all the owners being yeah know, the Mets being good friends with Bernie Madoff, and they like got into some deep. Stuff with him, and so yeah, it's like a, it's like one point one million dollars every year for like yeah. thirty years or something like yeah. that. And he hasn't played since two thousand nine or something. Well, see, Allen Iverson had a deal with Reebok where he, you know, somebody knew him and was able to guide him, even though he was kind of wild and reckless in his younger days. Yeah, and said you've got to set yourself up for future. So I think he allotted these huge. um bonus payouts that it accrued over 20 years mm-hmm. from Reebok to be paid out at 35, 50 and 65. So every one of those payment dates, he's got like 10 to $25 million coming. Yeah. So, you know, and he, he's talked about it. He was like, I blew all my money. I had no direction in life. Once basketball was gone, I didn't know who I was and I spent more money. And he was like, the only thing that saved me was that structured contract because then at 35, yeah. he gets a lump sum. He's back on his feet. He's fine. But it's interesting because Ricky Williams had that deal with uh, Master P, you know, mm-hmm. that was like only performance based. Like if he mm-hmm. didn't, if he didn't bang out, he was not getting paid. And yeah. I kind of liked the idea of it when it happened. Like I thought, man, this is this is awesome. But then Ricky kind of got stunted for three or four years, you know, because yeah. he had some injuries and stuff. So the the money thing in the, in baseball is kind of strange. But people, listen, it's it's this old as the dawn of time, the guy that could throw the rock the farthest, the guy that could free dive off the highest cliff. We do not get excited about suck. Like we just don't, you know, <laughs> yeah. you've got a guy running, you know, a nine, five, nine hundred meter. You take all, you take 10, 12 guys away from that field and you put 12 guys up there that run a 13 seconds. Like nobody gives a shit. So yeah. whether it is to the point where I knew guys in, uh, in weightlifting, and I won't say the, the team or the name, and this is overseas, they would they would kill a goat at a certain particular time of the year because it had more home, hormone in the blood. They would take the blood and they would let it dry. And then they would scrape it off of this thing and they would either eat it or snort it. And they would get uptake on, on this stuff. So, cow. folks... Yes, you can put exogenous testosterone in your body and up your blood testosterone, or you can do something like they were doing with those goats, or you can take blood out of your body, put it in a in an IV bag, and inject it later. I watched yep. a dude at the weigh-ins at the WPO make weight because they were draining blood from his arm. You know, like these <laughs> oh people gosh. will go to whatever length any length any length to win. Yep. yep. And if it is not testosterone or a peptide or a hormone altogether. If it's eating pig shit and, you know, doing whatever, like they're going to do it. 
So I'm not saying that that has to make you feel good, but I would just like to take the veil back. Wrestling is entertainment. Pro athletes use steroids. Like, let's just call it what it is. I'm not saying that there aren't a few outliers that don't. I am just saying that every one of those guys that you look at and you say, if you hit 20 home runs, we'll pay you $4 million. If you hit 30, we'll pay you 12. They are going to exercise whatever means necessary to figure out how to hit 10 more home runs. I promise you. By the way, tell me a more fun time to watch baseball ever than like 98 to 2005. Another controversial statement that is fact. (laughs) Steroids saved baseball. Oh, Post-strike without McGuire mm-hmm. and Sosa in that home run battle. Uh, thank you, Victor Conte and Balco Labs, for the <laughs> for the entertainment and the sponsorship. <laughs> Baseball was a dying breed. They were playing with minor leaguers. They were playing with playing with uh, utility workers and construction workers that that had made it through college and whatever. And I'm not saying that those guys didn't have talent. There is nothing like watching a guy throw from the warning chop, one skip it to home, and throw a guy out. These guys were one hopping it to second base. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's not a cut <laughs> right. on their character. It's just a cut on their performance. Human beings like performance. Women like good-looking men. Men like good-looking women. People, you know, like all this crap of trying to mm-hmm. tell you that, well, you know what? Slow people should be in the 100 meters in the Olympics because it makes us feel better. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Competition exactly. is to be won, and somebody will win no matter what. They'll do whatever it takes. I I remember because it was, it was like cut into programming when Barry was on the, like when he started getting to like 68 Mm -hmm. or 69 or whatever, you know, whatever it was like, it would cut away from like network news or it would cut away from whatever primetime show was on to get his at bats. Like that has never happened since. You know, and they tried to they tried to like recreate it with Judge, but nobody yeah. cared. No, you know, like it think, wasn't, and because everybody knew. <laughs> the thing that I heard a guy talk about, uh, he he does some radio out of uh, Boston, and he was talking about Judge. Could have been some hate because he's a Yankee, but he was talking about it in that same regard. He was like, I don't know if the world is just more tuned out, if baseball yeah. has changed, if free agency has changed baseball to the point that you don't care. But he he did make the point. But what he was saying was he felt like the reason that the media was so largely behind Judge was the fact that it would overwrite the fact that, oh, the good guy won. The bad guy didn't win this time. And, you know, again, baseball is a funny sport with all the things that have been legal in the sport. I mean, you've got the guy that threw the the no-hitter on LSD. You know, you've got spitballs uh, and methamphetamines and the cocaine. 60s. I mean, like just well, everything smoking in the dugout. I mean, baseball yeah. used to be a man's sport, you know, in the sense of like it was rugged and tough and they drank whiskey in the in the clubhouse. They smoked in the in the on deck circle. And I mean, I'm not saying that it should be that, but I'm saying as adults who still get shocked when celebrities cheat on their spouse Adults who still can't believe that an athlete would risk $10 million to take a testosterone supplement that I can get for $60 Mm -hmm. from my doctor, you know, Mm -hmm. like let's grow up and act like we're not surprised by some of the stuff that is actually happening in Mm -hmm. every aspect of every aspect of everything on earth. You know, we're just human. So I don't know, man, it's, it's crazy to me that people even care, but most of the people that care aren't even athletes. They're just, I was, yeah, exactly. Just they just what they, they are. Want to, they believe there's some sort of purity in it, 
you know, because yeah. it's supposed to seem like it's Little League everything, and that's not. Yeah, well, I was trying. I was trying to remember the only thing I can think of that's even comparable to that time when, or, or, or even just as a sporting instance, like where kind of seems like everything stopped and everybody was like trying to go watch. The only the only comp I can think of is any time Tiger plays on Sunday, like or, or he was chasing somebody down on. You know what I mean? Like. Anytime that was going on, everybody's like, I don't even like golf, but I want to watch Tiger do whatever he's about to do because it's awesome. This might age you a little bit. (laughs) So I can tell you two in my life, two more in my life that might jog your memory. Okay. When the Bulls played. Yeah. uh, In in the first three and then the Mm -hmm. second three, especially when they had the second two wins. I mean, I remember the last one. Because I remember calling WGN as a teenager because they weren't showing the Bulls game that night, and I couldn't find it anywhere. <laughs> I, dude, I was I was on the phone with WGN. I was pissed as hell. Um, <laughs> but then Tyson, when Tyson fought, oh yeah, we used to get it, and my papa would cuss the TV because it'd be over in one round. He's like, "I paid fifty dollars, and you sit here and <laughs> kicked his ass in a thirteen seconds." You know, like he's. But we bought it every time. I, yeah, you know, like that yeah. was my papa's big deal. He loved boxing. We watched Friday Night Lights all the time. And, cool. uh, but yeah, those things, and I'm sure Ali was like that. I'm sure, uh, you know, you had Liston and Foreman and those guys. Boxing used to be way cooler, especially yeah. when the mob had it. Boxing yeah, was real right. cool. <laughs> right. But to that point, like, I can't think of anything really recently that does that too many in, interests, in sports man. anyways. Like there's just nothing that any, everybody wants to like be a part of. Yeah. You know? No, I think, I mean, you got to go back to, you had at certain times in this country, you had three channels. So everybody yep. was watching one of three feeds, yep. uh, you know, and I think now, you know, you got a house with four kids or, you know, you know, father, wife, son, and daughter. And you say, you got four people, you got four TVs and four different programs, none of which overlap. And that was something my granny was worried about before she died. She said, y'all don't watch the same cartoons that your mom and your grandpa did, you know? And it was like, there was commonality. There were stories right. there. There were, there were things that were passed down. So I think it's interesting that there's just so many choices. Mm. And I think that that in itself is a problem for humans is the paralysis by overanalysis. You know, we, we can't collectively rally for that one thing because you've got your thing and I've got mine. You know, I, don't, I just don't mm-hmm. know that we're as unified in what those sports symbols or the symbology of the act of hitting the most home runs in baseball. I don't know that they mean the same in the piece of the pie of what Americana is like used to be, you know, Maris was like a pretty common household name. I mean, everybody knew he hit the home run record Um, or maybe I'm just, you know, thinking that, but it seemed like it was a common thing. Everybody knew Babe Ruth. Everybody knew Michael Jordan. You know, I don't know if everybody knows Patrick Mahomes or, I don't know. Dude, I can't name one Kentucky basketball player this year. Like the one and done bullshit (laughs) killed me on college basketball. And Kentucky is one of the leaders of that. You know, I grew up at a time when Kentucky basketball, three to four of the starters, and this was everywhere. This wasn't just Kentucky, but Kentucky was proud of the fact that we won national championships with two to three, maybe four kids homegrown in Kentucky. You know, you had Darren Feldhouse, you had Richie Farmer, John Pelfrey, uh, Jamal Mashburn, uh, Todd's oh, Fabo- like, Mashburn. You had you had those guys that kind of like was at the it was at the peak of my interest in Kentucky basketball, and then of course through high school and stuff, and then they would they went to the one and done. Like there's no loyalty, and now the the 
the stuff where kids can change three colleges in four years, they get paid. I mean, there's a, there's a freshman 17 year old kid coming to Tennessee already worth $12 million in endorsements. It's like, unbelievable. how do you coach that kid when yeah. the coach is making $150,000 as a strength coach? How do you tell a kid that's worth $12 million before he ever met you to believe yeah. in what you're saying to do? You know, it's, right. a, I'm not saying that the kids shouldn't get paid. You know, I was at UK when they started giving the kids some of that money initially, you know, and for better or worse, that Friday they would get the money. Monday morning, you'd see the tattoos and canes wrappers in their car. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like they're mm-hmm. they're not spending their money on shit that they they wanted them to spend it on. They're spending right. it on the shit that eighteen year old and nineteen year old kids spend it on. So, <laughs> That's so funny, dude. Yeah, the, I think people would be blown. I mean, this was even you know before the NIL stuff. I think people would be shocked about how much money was changing hands in college athletics that was just under the table. You know, I mean, like everybody tried to get every, they took, they took Reggie Bush's Heisman away yeah. for crying out loud. And like, that was maybe, look what the Kardashians the did to him. They took his Heisman. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> took his Heisman. They vacated wins. Like that was the dumbest thing. But I remember when the, it was just a couple years ago when uh, with all the NCAA basketball coaches, when there was like that, uh, that trial going on when yeah. there was like the wiretapping of the Arizona coach and yeah. all that Rick stuff. Rick Patino was doing some dirty work. Yep. Yep. And, but they had talked, like they had brought to the, 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 one of the facts that had come out was like the starting point guard for Creighton, like Creighton was pulling in a hundred grand oh, yeah. in like these under the table deals. And we're like, dude, Creighton starting point guard. Like if you think that the dudes at, at like what Zion was getting when he was in college and like any of those guys that go to the actual schools that are known for college basketball, like it, you're just willfully ignorant. Like you are, what's his name from the matrix? That well, so I w- back in, <laughs> I worked at o- OSU when Trestle was there and Terrell yeah. Pryor and those guys were there. So a lot of that stuff, tattoo gate, remember the that tattoo were, gate. That was so stupid. <laughs> I, I mean, really like you go, like I'm going to be honest with you right now. Some of my tattoos, or, or from when I was powerlifting and I would go in there and, you know, the guy would be like, Hey man, on me, just want to give you a tattoo. He's like, maybe you can sign a shirt and we can hang it in the shop or something. Dude, I did that. You know, like yeah. I did those exact same things. Yeah. Not like, Oh man, I'm doing something sneaky here. I'm signing these footballs for free ink. You know, <laughs> right. it's like you walk into a shop and somebody's like appreciative of what you do. They want to give you a piece of what they do because, you know, like the guy at the tattoo shop and I've watched, all your videos. I've learned how to squat because of yours. It's like mm-hmm. that $150, $200, whatever the tattoo cost in his mind was worth the trade off of saying thank you by giving me yeah. a piece of his art. And I'm not saying everybody should do that every single time. I'm just saying those are things that I am aware of that have happened to me that at a scale level of top 10 collegiate football player, like, I mean, you, they either need to do a better job of guiding these 18 year olds through their existence or understand that they're going to do stupid shit, yeah. you know, like, yeah. But again, all of that stuff is like, you, you look at that, you look at prior getting things, getting in trouble or Reggie Bush getting in trouble for some of the things that are now just accepted. And like now mm-hmm. the colleges are paying them. You know, yeah. instead, <laughs> so <laughs> they're just, just give it five or six years, are. guys. It'll be fine. <laughs> It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Uh, I want to, I want to close it out, but I would just want to read you. There was two comments that were, that came up on YouTube 
from the from the baseball talk that I thought were pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, one of them was Bonds would hit all them homers anyway; they just wouldn't have gone as far. Exactly. <laughs> and then the mean. other one was the other one was listening to John Cruck talk about the Phillies dugout and locker room in the '90s was awesome. And Lenny Dykstra, Dutch great. Dalton, yep. John Cruck. <laughs> yep. Oh my god, dude! Those Mitch Williams, so wild good. thing. Yep. Well, I can get on a base. So I can do a baseball podcast, man. We, we could need, just we, do a whole baseball show one day do and, just, and do nothing but just say '80s and '90s baseball players' names, and exactly. then that's it. Like we don't even need to talk about it. We just say their names. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, all right. Well, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, that was fun. We'll yeah, man, another, it was great. Uh, and I hope if you guys watched it live, you enjoyed it, and hope if you're listening to it anywhere else, you get time for it. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, we'll be doing the lives uh, more often. So, thank you, guys. All right, thanks. Thank you.